0: Hi, and welcome to
1: our podcast, Bodies and Souls, Conversations for the Jewish Woman. My name is Sarah. I'm a certified teacher and school leader. I'm passionate about education, and Antara, and Hasidus. My name is Rifki. I am a certified nurse, midwife, and college teacher.
0: I am passionate about using our bodies and our innate spiritual abilities to serve Hashem in the most healthy
1: and complete way possible. Together, we are pleased to present to you Bodies and Souls, fascinating and informative conversations for you the Jewish woman.
0: Our aim is to provide you with
1: multidimensional information that will inform and inspire you to be the
0: best version of yourself, supporting your bodies and souls as they strive to be the very best in fulfilling our ultimate potential in bringing Mashiach now. good morning and welcome to this episode of bodies and souls this episode is generously sponsored by tovito tovito is the best app that you can get your kids it is a website and an app full of jewish kids entertainment so if i tell you that this keeps my kids busy i promise you if you see any of my work out there it's because of tovito um, it is simple it is safe it is kosher entertainment in the best way possible so if you want to get your kids off YouTube and you want to get your kids onto Jewish content. We're talking about really, really high quality, 3D animation, live action films, music, constantly, constantly adding new videos. And in time for Hanukkah, there is a live action movie that's coming out about the Maccabees in the year 2022. Super cool idea. So this is a great gift that you can get yourself. You can for for your own quiet. You can get it for your grandchildren. You can get it for friends, neighbors. Um, I know that my friends got it for me when I had a kid in the NICU. This is literally the best thing. Um, so it's ninety nine dollars a year, which is really really a steal of a deal because you're not going out and buying videos every single day. But we have fifteen percent off. Um, you can use code souls. we're going to put it in the show notes, and you can definitely gift this for yourself, um, for people that you love, because this is really the gift that keeps on giving. I have with me the very funny Julie Levy. And Julie, before we start, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I've seen you on social media, and you always crack me up, like you're just so funny and relatable and down to earth. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and a little bit about your journey.
2: Do you have a few days? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, hi, I'm Julie and on social media, my handle is officially Julie underscore comedy. And I am a Jewish comedy creator, an actress, uh, writer, editor, mom, wife, live in Israel, originally from Minnesota. And that's my story. The end. (laughs) I guess you want more. Yeah, sure. Go for it. (laughs) Dave, that was like a half a second. So I'm used to on social media. I'm used to like, everything's like, you know, you should stick to it a minute or under. So that's where my brain is. You
0: know, i <laughs> configured. Yeah, I feel like social media like has evolved towards that direction in general. Like Facebook, we were able to have like long-winded like cyber conversations and then Instagram got less. And now TikTok, like, I don't even get it. I'm sorry. I- I'm supposed to get it. I know I'm supposed to get it. Everyone keeps telling me like, that's the place to go. But it's just- yeah. this- I don't know. It's just too short and too lack of nuance that I haven't, I haven't really like embraced that at all. So tell me, how did you get to doing what you're doing? Cause I Google stalked you just a little bit. And I know that the journey was not the typical. So let's start off, I guess in your career, like you started off as a student Pursuing politics of all things, which seems so like opposite of what you're doing. I feel like politics is where everyone takes themselves so seriously, even when they don't need to be. And now you're making light of like everything. (laughs) So how did you go from politics to comedy?
2: Right, like politics, it's it's kind of like you lose your sense of humor. So I, I can't say that I was actually in politics as a politician. But when I graduated from college, I got a job uh, first at the American Jewish Committee in Washington, D.C., and we're talking early 90s. So this is around the time of the Oslo Peace Accords, where Israel was negotiating a peace agreement with the PLO, the Palestinians, and Jordan as well. Uh, After that, I landed a job at the Israeli embassy in Washington, and I was hired to Work for the counselor for interreligious affairs. So he was actually the, the Christian uh, community's liaison to the state of Israel. It was very interesting. I got to attend a lot of press conferences. And one of the things that I got to do was uh, when the Israeli delegation came to Washington to sign the peace accords with the Palestinians um they needed me to check out prime minister rabin's speech for the white house uh that's a whole story in and of itself because we're talking again early 90s didn't have the technology that they have today and i thought his advisor was literally going to blow a vein in his head because there was a um a technical malfunction. And once they got that figured out, so I literally was like working with the hard copy and, uh, it was really something else. Also, when they came back to sign the peace agreement with Jordan, I got to work for, um, then foreign minister Shimon Peres and do some of his speech stuff. And it was really an amazing experience. When Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated, I was living in Jerusalem at the time, and it really shook my world because I was very liberal, very much believed in peace. Now we're talking pre-9-11. I grew up in Minnesota, and I just didn't think that things could ever go in in a way that they went <laughs> as far as um the the violence and the danger and I was really like pie in the sky. And um I I really kind of decided it was too much for me. It was too heavy to be in that world. And I I was a writer and an editor and then I took that in different directions.
0: You made Aliyah somewhere in the in the middle of this because you said you were in Israel when
2: so actually um Yeah, after when he was assassinated, I was already in Israel. It was right before I made Aliyah. I made Aliyah three times in my life. The first time was 1996. This was before Nefesh B'Nefesh. So I just walked into the Misrata Panim, the interior ministry, showed him my documents. I almost didn't get accepted because they weren't quite sure I was Jewish. And um, I grew up reformed. So it was a little bit tricky to, to prove, my, but eventually I did, and I made Aliyah. And the second time was in 2005. At that point, I had a family, and then we left again. The third time was 11 years ago. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> That's it. Three it's times right. the charm.
0: So I think from what I gather, based on not knowing you personally, is somewhere in the middle of all this, you also became a Balas Tuva. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. So that was several years after um, making Aliyah. I, my husband and I, my husband's Israeli, and we started after our second son was born. He is now 21. So this is about 18 years ago. And uh, we were living in Minnesota at the time. I mean, that's that's where it happened. That's where it started to happen. And it's been a journey ever since. So
0: I love that you create these comical light moments when, um, in relation to your being a Balashchuva. Tshuva. And I think that some of the funniest things that I've seen are the Balashchuva Tshuva ones and the new Ola. So me as having an Israeli mom, I really appreciate, like I, I've i told some of your things in, to my kids at the Shabbos table, like the one with the bottom of the bus. I feel like that's an old one that everyone does with, you know, you telling the bus driver, can I? Can you open the Tachto name? And that's just too funny. We used to do that as kids also, because it's just, it's, hysterical. But I think that being a balashtuba is sometimes a very isolating experience. And so for someone to be able to see your work, and your comedy, I think that's, it just makes you feel a little bit lighter about the whole experience. So I think it's really a valuable tool. Um, Do you ever worry about oversharing or being too vulnerable in the spaces that you're sharing?
2: First of all, thank you so much. I love, I really, really love what I'm doing. And I find it to be such a gift to be able to use social media to hopefully bring some joy to people's lives. And at least I'm having fun. So if anything, I'm just, I'm just entertaining myself. As far as being vulnerable, I've gotten to a place in my life that like I said, I've been around uh, long enough, I'm in my 50s, and I have been through a lot of life experiences, being a balat shuvah, I'm very open about my own journey and struggle with depression. And I just realized when I started to share that I'm so far from alone. And I think especially when people deal with mental health struggles, they feel completely alone, there's still a stigma. And so I think the benefit and the beauty of growing older is you usually feel more secure in your skin and whatever you feel will make you vulnerable and perhaps judged by other people ends up really being a blessing, not only for you, but for the people who you share with.
1: It's amazing. I totally concur with that. I think the older I get also, the more confident I am in my own skin and not afraid to use my voice. Can you, um, first of all, when you mentioned Minnesota, I nearly jumped out of my seat. That was the beginning of my mother's journey. She's from Minnesota and she became from there as well. Wow. <laughs> <The> great <laughs> a great small Jewish world. <laughs> Just as you were saying, how the, you know, you're comfortable in your own skin, Baruch Hashem. Can you share with our listeners about your journey through postpartum depression?
2: Yeah, so... Um, I I don't want to pin it only on postpartum. I think it was brewing before, but it really did come to a head after I had uh, my third child and we moved to Israel, went through a lot of life changes, um, becoming religious, which wasn't exactly um, well-received by my family, my family of origin, uh, moving to Israel, being postpartum, a lot of Of these things are major life changes in and of themselves. And for me, it was compounded all at once. It took me years actually until I realized and I was diagnosed with depression. It's genetic in my family. I just felt like I was um, tired. Someone told me, I think you have hormonal imbalance. I got myself bioidentical hormones, they didn't really help. And I didn't realize that I was in such a, a pit of depression until i finally got to a psychiatrist um, got on medication which was so difficult for me because i felt like a failure i felt like i you know i could have talked to god and god would get me out of this and i'm a i'm a balachuva and if i talked to god god more hashem more then i wouldn't have fallen down this rabbit hole i put a lot of pressure on myself and had a lot of misinformation So I remember the first time I took um, an antidepressant, I had it in my hand for about a week. (laughs) And I found that there is a bracha that you can actually say while taking medication. And that gave me some strength. So I took the pill and I started on this journey of getting treated for depression and anxiety. I am so happy and glad to say that I really feel like I have recovered Um, through a lot of deep therapeutic work, I do take medication, low dosage. I also try to watch what I eat. I I really try to take a holistic approach. And I do feel like somebody who has tasted the darkness and has been able to swim their way out of it can truly know, know what joy and happiness is. And one of the things that did help me out of it was when I became a medical clown. Julie,
1: you just led me personally into a thought that I was thinking about suffering from depression and then having a day job as a comedian and a medical clown. Are those two things opposites?
2: Or are they two ends of a spectrum? How, do, how does it work together? Okay, so when I became a medical clown and a medical clown for those who don't know is a trained clown. Um, so I took an, an in-depth course for about six months and we learned how to go into hospitals, nursing homes, battered women's shelters, and relate to the patient, relate to the person as a person and not as a number, not their illness, etc. It tapped into this creative side of me that I had really buried for about 20 years. And I was able to put on a mask. I was able to dress up as a clown. Um, I had this character called Funny the Clown. I was a four-year-old clown with pink hair and uh, um, all the bells and whistles. And it, was, it allowed me to step out of myself and to tap into that love I have of performing and caring for other people. And doing so was really part of my healing process. So I really, I guess, married the two together. I did that for about four years and then it got to be a bit much for me. And then Corona happened. At this point, I feel like I'm taking that side of me. I'm not a medical clown, but by doing comedy, by doing um, sketches and all kinds of the goofy things that I do online, I find like that is still my way of bringing light bring light into the world, even if I'm not in a clown suit. I love how
0: you tapped into like the parts of us, you know, the parts that Hashem gave you to serve him with joy and to bring joy to all of us who are watching your content. Um, what type of place do you think comedy has in the Jewish world? So if we look at like the general comedy world, I feel like three quarters of the, of the comedians are like Jewish. Like, I think that's a thing, but in the from world, we don't really like value comedy in the way that maybe it's valued in other spaces. So what type of place do you think comedy has in the firm world and what type of place should it have in the firm world?
2: Well, I think the the tricky part with comedy in the firm world. Now, I just want to say I don't do stand up that terrifies me. Most comedy is stand up. I find that it's uh, there's a lot of uh, you know, salty language and I think most people in the firm world are looking for something a little more, um, you know, sweet, (laughs) less salty. So in that case, I find that there's a real dearth of of good comedy. I don't even want to say the word kosher because I think that can be debatable what is funny and what's not funny. Some people might think you can't even like make uh, bathroom jokes, what have you but I find like people are really hungry for laughter and there is a lot of intensity in religious life. I mean, having not grown up in it and in, in it and then choosing it, it's very intense and we need comic relief for intensity and the world we live in is very intense. I specifically want to make my comedy for Jewish women. Uh, not all of my followers are religious and That's great, because I think that my life experiences, I have one foot in the non-religious world, one foot in the religious world. So also with Israel and America. Um, So you were talking
0: about like kosher comedy and you actually like shied away from using that word. Um, I remember years ago, my sister who was running a school, I mean, she runs a different school now, but she's a principal. um, And she wanted to do a fundraiser for the dinner and they wanted to bring down a comedian. And they did. They brought down a from comedian and he made he like roasted the participants on the board and they were not happy. So I feel like comedy sometimes does cross lines and what I've noticed about yours is that it doesn't cross lines. It's also, it's a lot of like laughing at the reality that we live in because sometimes it's funny, but we just don't see the humor. Do you treat your life that way as well? Like, do you see the humor in the hard moments or it's in retrospect, we can laugh at ourselves. Like, is that something that you've consciously worked on?
2: Yeah. And I think going to medical clowning school helped a lot. When I would give workshops on how to bring concepts of medical clowning into your own life, uh, one of the things I spoke about is okay, so let's say you have a kid throwing a temper tantrum and they're on the floor and out of control, you just can't do anything. And your first instinct is to just freak out on them like they're freaking out on you. Well, one idea is to get down on the floor and do the exact same thing. And I've done it. And I tell you, the kid stops. And it's just like, unexpected. What? And then they start to laugh. And then you start to laugh. So I think there's so much room for bringing humor to everyday challenges. Living in Israel, I think is hysterical, because (laughs) there's so many challenges here, especially as an American, because we're used to you know, top-notch customer service. I just made a reel on that today. And, and you're going to find a lot that's going to make you want to pull your, you know, throw your tickle off off and, you know, pull your wig, and all of that stuff. But if, if we laugh at the difficulties, um, oh, it makes everything so much better. And that's what I do. I'll stand in the line at the grocery store and all of a sudden someone will appear out of nowhere and like say I was here before you and you didn't see them (laughs) like in America. Nobody would do that. I just laugh. (laughs) okay. (laughs) go for it. If it makes your life better, you were here first.
1: I think you could really do stand up if you could do it in a grocery store. You could do it anywhere, Julie. (laughs) 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 i'll tell you
2: i'll tell you what scares me about it it actually terrifies me because i have to be myself so i have a much easier time putting on the different wigs the costumes different identities than just getting up there and putting myself out there and yeah that's just wait a a second you told
1: (laughs) us a couple minutes ago that you were past being vulnerable that you are totally comfortable in your skin. And I was like, yeah, go Julie. And now?
2: (laughs) I did, I said that. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Wow. Okay. You called me on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I just, well, I'm, I wanted to say that I am getting out of my comfort zone somewhat because I'm starting to write a show, a one woman show that I hope to take around for Jewish women. Ideally, for the stage. And yeah, I will be myself in that show, but I will take on different characters. I, can you tell us more about
1: this one woman show? Because I can't even tell you how much this is needed. We were talking before how a lot of humor is not kosher, right? And how desperate we need humor in our lives. So tell us more about this show that you're putting together.
2: So I am really in the baby stages and I was scared. I was scared to do something like this, but I thought, I'm not getting younger. Now's the time. I'm in a blessed place to be able to do it. My kids are older. So um, there is a comedian in the non-Jewish world who has had a big influence on my life. She's uh, on social media. Big fat Greek mother is her name. And we found each other. And she said, I can really see you doing this. You've got to do it gotta go for it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go for it. So she was really my cheerleader and I'm writing out stories from my life and I want to bring in different love that I love playing different characters. And because I guess I've had so many experiences in my life, as I mentioned before, being religious, uh, becoming religious, moving to Israel, uh, being a mother, etc. that I feel a lot for people to relate to. And so I'm excited to write it and to eventually put it out there. And yes, it's time that Jewish women had their own space for, for just showing up at a theater, knowing that the show's for them. And I really hope I can get this out there.
1: I am your biggest fan. I cannot wait for this to come out. I happen to be like a, a woman who loves the arts. For me, it's like this great escape that I have. So, to hear these developing artists, that, and it's going to be done in a way where I can feel comfortable and not, you know, worry about what I'm going to hear or see is just so exciting. So, thank you, Julie, for, for creating this and for putting yourself out there. And even if you're not going to be wearing a mask and lying on the floor like a four year old, we're going to love you. We're going to love you for who you are. You never know. That might be included in the
2: show. Can't make any promises. The medical you're saying the medical clown part will be included. Oh, yeah. Or just like laying on the floor and and having a temper tantrum that that could be in there.
0: (laughs) That might be real. It might be authentic. We don't know. Right, right, right. Um, Julie, if someone wants to become a medical clown, how do they go? Do they First of all, do they have to be funny people to do it like you? Or like is this something anyone can do? And how do they go about doing that?
2: Okay, so uh, first of all, I did it in Israel. Israel has the largest percentage of medical clowns in the country, or in the country, in the world. I want to correct myself, in the world. And... What you basically just want to do is usually people who do this are performers somehow. They like to entertain. They have that side of them. So I took a course um, through a a local college that trains medical clowns. There's even a university degree for that. And it was one night a week for about five hours per week. And it was very accessible, really not so hard to do and it was one of the best things i ever did even if i didn't stick with it i learned so much uh, just even for my own personal life
1: julia you mentioned before how bringing humor can ha- can be a cure for many many parts of our lives and then you brought the example of parenting can you expound on that like uh, parents are not going to get trained like you got trained in humor and i'm assuming that there are some skills that are required in order to bring humor into a tense situation. Can you give us some tips or tricks about this? I don't know. I guess I never thought of it that <laughs>
0: much. Why do you crack me
1: up? <laughs> <I have> nothing.
2: <laughs> Did I freeze again? <laughs> no, no. I'm not sure if it was this <sighs> like, then- like
1: to, to be a funny person or to bring humor in, do you need to be extra insightful? Extra, had extra observation like what makes someone funny and someone not
2: <laughs> listen i <laughs> i don't i have no idea I, I can't wait for you to edit this just the whole show should be my me saying i, I don't know <laughs> not really sure were you
1: always never, funny I, or like did you have to work on it like is it something anyone could become sure <laughs> <laughs>
2: no
0: <laughs> i think i think julie was always funny because like even even like my instagram conversation with her was like julie come and she's like do i have to like it was just funny i don't know there was nothing like it was just funny like if i could have written the same thing it wouldn't have been funny and it was written words so i think that probably i'm gonna answer for julie i think julie's just funny julie do you have any hanukkah related humor that you can share with our listeners? You see, you said you're not going to do comedy. You're not going to do stand up, but here we're going to do, put you on the spot.
2: (laughs) Hanukkah related comedy. So um, I did celebrate Hanukkah growing up. That was a really big deal, you know, in America, especially if you're not in the from community, that's like your holiday to shine. Um, Although I have to say, I went to a public high school, uh, public grade school. I did also go to a public high school. But when I was in about fifth grade, I was the only Jewish kid in my class. And I remember my teacher asked me, he's like, Julie, I think it's Hanukkah now. Can you talk to the class about it? I wanted the floor to open up and me to fall in because when you're a kid, you usually don't want to be different. And he was calling me out very innocently. So I was incredibly embarrassed And then as I grew older, um, that embarrassment lessened. I became more proud in who I am. And that wasn't so much of a problem. So, as far as finding the humor in Hanukkah, my mother is a very creative person. She's an artist. And we would sing and dance and make fools of ourselves. And we didn't care. We just loved the holiday. And now I do it here in Israel. Again, it's a beautiful holiday. It's not this huge American, you know, number one holiday that people think it may be. Um, But we have fun and I expect good gifts. I mean, I really do. I I told my kids they better start saving right now for good gifts for me. Okay. I figured it out. A
1: comedian does not laugh. They just say it like, really serious, their face.
2: Come on, that's a trick. Trick number one, there you go. So I never analyzed it that much. Um, I just I do think it's something that you just are born with. You just have a knack for seeing things in a way and expressing yourself in a way. Medical clowning helped me a lot. Uh, however, and and also just watching other comedians, watching other people, you you get you pick up tips. And there's certain oh 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 I wanted to share this so I have an, a few other women here in Israel who I do improv with, and I took a course and I feel like improv is an amazing way to to also lighten up with life and look at the funny. So I would highly recommend if anybody has the opportunity to take a course in improv, I think it can be it's so useful in so many aspects of life because we're so used to saying no. We're so used to feeling like in our heads that something is impossible before we look at it as being possible. And improv, sort of the the number one rule is to, to say yes and any situation that you're given, yes, and you make it happen. And maybe we can do it this way that we haven't thought of before. It's a really good concept. So go sign up for improv. By the way, we used to do that in our
1: educational leadership courses. Instead of saying no, we used to train ourselves to say yes. And it's a way of thinking also. It's fabulous.
0: Doofus and Dora in camp.
1: We used to do yes. And also.
0: No, we used to do. Yes. You would just go with what if you're doing two people, like what you're saying, you're bouncing back. So. Back in the day, I did Doofus and Dora. So, whoever doesn't know, Doofus and Dora is when two counselors in overnight camp get up on a Shabbos afternoon, those long Shabbosim, and they do a comedy show. But it's like literally the stupidest thing. You don't prepare it beforehand and you're just bouncing back and forth. Um, so, it's mm. kind of like this yes and. So, they the first one does something crazy. So, the second one's, oh, that's crazy. Let me up it a notch and go further. And it's the same like bouncing back and forth. It's just very. I don't want to say it's dumb humor, but it's not like, it's just funny. It's making fun of life. So it's very, very funny.
2: It's also validating the other person. So in an improv troupe, we're working with one another, playing off of one another. And if somebody takes this the scene in a direction that you didn't think it would go in, that you didn't want it to go in, you still have to play along with it and follow the other person's lead. So it it gets you in a frame of mind where you also have to kind of let go a bit and follow somebody else's lead sometimes. Julie, do you ever um, think about inhibition
1: and humor? I wonder... The reason why I'm bringing this up is I'm trying to think of when I'm at my most funniest. And it's usually when I'm around my family. I'm so comfortable. My guard is down. I have these like crazy laugh attacks with my sisters. I'll never do that anywhere else. But when I'm with my sisters, I'm really unstable. Like I am just laughing nonstop. We're really Mm -hmm. having a good time. Julie, do you think that as a comedian,
2: it's important not to be inhibited? So... Okay. So this is interesting because I find myself more inhibited with people in my life than I do when I'm in front of my phone recording my reels. The people who know me, I t- like my general nature is pretty like to be an observer. I don't actually like to be the center of attention. So when I film myself, I am in a comfort zone that makes me feel much less and um, wait much less I wanted to say inhibited but that's not a word um yeah so I feel much freer to let that silly side out I don't know it's very interesting whoever's a psychologist can have a heyday with that one I for sure will joke around with with people in my family, with my kids. I have a, my oldest son is very sarcastic and we have a really good time together, but I find that I am my freest self as far as humor goes when, when it's just me.
0: (laughs) What, what would you tell people who are going through postpartum depression or any other hard moment and they want to turn to comedy? Um, Is there any version of comedy that you would recommend or a specific performer who's more quote-unquote again I know you didn't like the word kosher but kosher aside for you Julie um, once they finish all your content
2: so I think it really depends when I was in a depression I didn't want to watch anything funny so I watched a lot of depressing stuff because that's where I was at when I started to come out of it then yeah I was really Really wanting to see. Um, I was mainly on social media looking at, let's say, Zaya Comedy and Big, you know, Big Fat Greek Mother, and mainly the female, um, comedy content creators. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm not really into watching stand up, but I do enjoy, um, and you know. I actually don't find that there are a lot of funny movies out there. But wait, Stissel, Stissel, wouldn't that be considered
1: kosher? Yeah, but that's not funny. You think is funny? Mm, I don't even think it's good. I feel like, is that blasphemy? Blasphemy. Like I know
0: everyone's talking about it. I'm like, that is the worst thing I've ever... Like, I tried to watch a quarter of something, and I was like, ugh, what a waste of time. But I think also one other thing about comedy is that it's really a great connector. So like even if you look at things that are not so divisive anymore, like Sephardi and Ashkenazi people and the mode that they, you know, interact, there are still spaces where we don't fully understand each other. And then we see it in comedy and we're like, oh, that's actually really funny and it's connecting. And Modi does this bit of like how Ashkenazi and Sephardi people say good chavis. And my kids, like I come from, my mother's family is Sephardi and my father's family is Ashkenazi. And my kids grow up in this really Ashkenazi world because my husband's also, Ashkenazi and then when they see my mother's family they're like ma what is happening but then they saw this (laughs) big Modi and he does this whole like Shabbat Shalom Shabbat Shalom and my kids rolled because finally they had a place to be like oh that's where it is that's what it is okay we get it so I think their comedy is like this really underrated tool of just bridging gaps and bringing understanding and it's not just about getting you in a bit better mood but Changing things in the way that you look at the world. And that's a really powerful thing. And Julie, you do this all the time with your, um, when you do the comedy bits on children. And, you know, some of the situations that you're depicting are really frustrating. Like the kids are being kids and they're being frustrating. And then you do this bit and it's like, oh, that's actually really cute and funny. And I think that that's one of the really strong powers um, that humor and comedy has. And I really hope that you're going to keep doing it. I know you're keeping to do it, but you expand on what you're doing and other people expand, you know, and share their comedy and their funny moments and their happy moments. And it's it's so important. I'm so glad that you are doing and your journey went from politics all the way to here because we're all benefiting from it. So that's really, really amazing. Julie, do you ever do like parties or, you know, those type of entertainments?
2: So when I was a medical clown, I did. Um, I was also trained as a party clown. And I have to say, I really felt like a glorified babysitter. <laughs> so it was something. And
0: that that says, I just... comedy work. Like, do you do like shows in, in the film world? I know like Malky Knopfler. I can never say name. Mm-hmm. But she does like she does shows at events and I, like she brings her comedy into that area. Do you do things like that as well?
2: So I haven't, um, I actually am going to be in a movie with Malki. um, that Malky Weingarten is going to be filming partly in Israel in February. So I'm really, really excited to work with her actually with both Malkis, They're amazing. So I haven't, no, I really haven't. I've, um, I've been on stage. I've been in women's theater before, but this is new to me. This, um, kind of putting myself out there as a solo act is is really new good for you
1: good for you julie it's been such a pleasure speaking with you really enjoyed thank you for giving of your time of your insights telling us your story
2: thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it when i wasn't frozen
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed and grew. Original music of Shamil's Niggin provided by and David Ketak.
1: We look forward to your input, feedback, and suggestions. We also have partnership opportunities available. Please email info at Again, info at with two S's. Thank you.
2: МУЗЫКАЛЬНАЯ ЗАСТАВКА